Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Alrighty. Is this thing working? There we go. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Val. It's good to be back. I'm glad I didn't scare anyone last time and I actually got a call back, so that's, that's good. You're always worried. I'm like, oh boy, am I going to get invited? Well, good morning. My name is Brad, if you don't know me, and it is a pleasure to be back here. I had the chance to speak here a couple months ago, and, uh, and it's just so good to be with one of our sister church families. Um, I'm a youth pastor in Waterloo, Ontario at WMB Church, and, uh, and my wife Leah is here with me. I've got a little picture of my family as well if you want to toss that on. Uh, but we've got three kids. We have a cottage in Port Franks. And so I was actually driving through the rain on Friday night coming here because uh, I was doing our youth program that ended at 10 o'clock on Friday. And I went, I just want to get to the cottage. And so I started driving the almost two hours. And at one point, just thinking of God's timing, the rain started to just pour. It just started coming down and it got a little intense. But it was just as I was coming through Ailsa Craig, just as it was down to driving a little slower. And as I proceeded to continue on after that, the rain let up a little bit and it was just kind of cool. But God's love sometimes pours down on us in that same way. So this morning, I want to I wanna share something that, um, A, we've been going through as a, as a church in Waterloo in a series on the Holy Spirit, but one that I think um, God has for you this morning as a church that is expecting a new lead pastor in the coming months that is entering into a new season. My prayer and my hope for you as one of our our sister MB churches is that you as a church and you as individuals would be led by the Spirit that you would be led by the Holy Spirit into something new. And I'm excited for you, because every time I've been here, which is twice now, I just go, wow, the Spirit is here. He's present. It's evident to me. And, uh, And it's just so cool seeing the way you are coming together and you're sharing with each other what's going on in each other's lives. You're praying for each other, and it is so good. So my prayer is that you would be led by the Spirit. So let's get into things this morning. Uh, When I was 10 years old, I went to summer camp for the first time. Anyone ever been to summer camp or send their kids to summer camp? Fantastic experience. It was everything a 10-year-old boy could want from a summer camp experience, right? We're playing in the, in, at the beach. It was Forest Cliff Camp, which is just down the road. Uh, you know, church, uh, camp-wide, capture the flag games kind of thing, staying up way too late, campfires, hanging out with friends, uh, turning your cabin into a wrestling ring with all the mattresses. Awesome stuff, right? Everything that a 10-year-old would expect at summer camp. But one thing happened that I wasn't expecting, and it happened on the last night of camp. And of course, if you've been to camp, you're like, come on, Brad, rookie mistake. There's always something that happens on the last night of camp. But it was my first time. I didn't know. But it was that night at the end of our teaching time, and the band came up to to lead us in worship again. And uh, and after a few songs, they said they were going to keep playing. But if you guys wanted to go, you could go. And so my whole cabin left, probably go to to do the wrestling thing again. But something in that moment told me to stay. And so I stayed. And I kept worshiping. 
And something happened in that moment where I, I got emotional. I felt like I was loved, that I was where I was meant to be, that I was precious, that there was something real and tangible that I was worshiping kind of for the first time. And when I look back on it now, I go, I think that was my first experience with the Holy Spirit. It was a moment that I would say began a process for me as a 10-year-old kid to own my faith for myself. And that memory, that feeling hasn't left me. In fact, it's been something that's been so powerful that I've been drawn back to that, that kind of intimacy with God ever since. Anyone else have a similar experience to me? Maybe it's been in church, in a worship moment, at camp. Maybe it was at a Leafs game. Yes? No? Maybe? No? Okay. Um, but if you haven't, don't worry. Don't worry, okay? Because, in fact, I would say prior to this summer camp experience, I didn't really know the Holy Spirit or care about who the Holy Spirit was or even take my relationship with God all that seriously. I kind of just went to church because my parents did, right? Maybe you're in a similar sp space today. Maybe this is just something you do. You just come on a Sunday morning. Maybe that's what your family has done for however many years. Maybe you've grown up in the church. Maybe you've never had an experience like the one I described at camp. You've heard others talk about being prompted or led by the Holy Spirit, but you've never had an experience like that. So maybe, maybe there's a piece of you that's kind of felt like a, a failure as a Jesus follower, as a Christian. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, and you're like, hey man, I know the Holy Spirit real well, because I grew up in the Pentecostal church. Okay, great. <laughs> Wherever you're at this morning, I think the Holy Spirit has something for you. I think he has something to give to you today, and, uh, and I hope, I hope that it will lead you into something really, really special. So like I said, in my church in Waterloo, which is WMB Church, we've been in this series um, called Filled by the Spirit, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what does he do, how does he work in our lives, and what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And that's what I really want to get into today, because today, here at KZMC, I really believe the Spirit is going to lead you into a new place. He's going to lead you somewhere as a church. I think God has something for you as individuals and as a church community that's to come. And I hope, I hope that it's something that will revitalize not just your life, but this world around us. Are you on board for something like that? Amen. Okay. And may I just say right off the bat that the Holy Spirit is not limited to a, a, a feel-good experience like at a summer camp on a Friday night, okay? It's not just a feeling. Sure, he's present in those moments, but he's also so much more than that. It's more than a spiritual high. No, the Holy Spirit is a person like Jesus, like the Father, some that, someone that we can get to know who invites us into something incredible. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So on that note, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, you are incredible. You are so good to us, and we see that evidence in each and every day. And God, this morning, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes to see you, God, to know you, and to know what is to come. Because God, you are so good, we don't want to miss out on what you have for us, Lord. So Spirit, would you come and speak? We invite you in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to look at something that Jesus said to his disciples. He's promising to send this advocate, this counselor, or this, the Holy Spirit, depending on what translation of the Bible you've got. And when he goes away, this is going to come. And remember, the disciples, they don't know Jesus is about to go and die on a cross. Okay, so they're like, 
are you talking about, Jesus? Like, this is a little freaky. You're going to go away? Like, they don't get it, right? And, uh, and yet, Jesus' words for them are so rich and beautiful and powerful and encouraging and exciting, but they're also exactly that for us today, and they're relevant. In fact, I think about our culture. You can go to the next slide here. I think about our culture. We live in this very me-centered culture, right? It's all about me. Everything out there is about me. I'm in control of my life. It's up to me. Think about some of the phrases maybe you would see on social media or, or spray-painted, graffitied on a wall somewhere. Things like, you do you. Just be yourself, right? Live your truth, your truth. Do what makes you happy. You are enough. You're awesome. You're great. And you should live your authentic self. Look deep within your heart to figure out who you are, and then you go and you, you live it, right? That's some of the stuff I hear. Um, our youth and I, we did a series earlier this year where we looked at some of those exact phrases to kind of analyze and, and see where maybe some of them have actually been leading us astray. It's been awesome. But I've seen the way these phrases in our me-centered society has actually been doing a lot of damage. It's been hurting us. We've come to believe that, that we're good enough, that we're okay on our own, that, that we're the master of our destiny, that we are enough. And yet when I look around our world, I see we're anxious, we're tired, we're depressed, we're confused, we're stressed out, we're busy, and we're struggling to find our purpose in life. I look at the news, I see a constant cycle of violence and polarization and war and famine and, and hatred. I look at my own life and I see how I routinely go back to my sin and my selfishness. And just the other weekend, I think about the way my kids and I, we, we weren't having a good night. We were exhausted. It was a tough morning. And I, had, I let anger get control of me in that moment. It got the best of me. I can't help but think we're not doing so hot on our own, are we? The Apostle Paul digs into this exact problem in his letter to the Roman church, right? He says, all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All that to say, boy, do we ever need God, right? Do we ever need his guidance, the presence of something greater than ourselves? What do we need? We need the Holy Spirit. So as we talk about being led by the Spirit, we're going to have to battle some of these realities that maybe are even at play in your own life. Maybe they're at play in your own heart. I think of the idea around just control. And this releasing of our control to the Spirit, to be led by Him, it's a bit of a scary thing sometimes, isn't it? Because it means we've got to give up our own pride, our own agenda, our own desires, and we've got to say yes to the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I don't know a whole lot of people who are just like, yeah, man, I just love not being in control. Doesn't come off, come across very often. But I wonder... What if releasing our grasp and our control to the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives is exactly what we need, exactly what our world needs around us? So I hope you're ready. Are you ready? Can I, can I get you to do something that I make our youth do all the time? All right, I want you to turn to the person next to you, someone you know. I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. I want you to say, bro, I'm ready. Go. <laughs> Alrighty. Now that we're ready, bro, I want you to open up your Bibles if you've got it or a Bible app. We're going to read from John chapter 16. You can put it on the slide here. Um, 16 verses 7 to 15. And like I said, um, this is some words that Jesus has for his disciples. And I love our Gospels because remember, they give us an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. These are the guys who actually saw Jesus 
We're there with him, and we're like, oh, I should probably start writing some of these things down. But incredible testimony, right? And Jesus is preparing his disciples for his absence. He's been on mission to reach and to save the lost, and he knows his time on earth is coming to an end. He's going to return to his father, and he's preparing his disciples for that departure. So let's read the whole passage up front, and then we'll break it down piece by piece. So let's go to that slide here. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, so there's a lot going on there. Let's go back through and kind of pull out some things piece by piece here. And to help you remember... One big thing this morning, I've, I've boiled this down, hopefully so you can keep this in your memory and in your heart forever. I've boiled it down to one big idea for you this morning. One kind of bottom line that you can take away, hopefully commit it to memory. This is the idea that everything else is going to flow out of today when it comes to this passage. Okay, you ready for it? Let's put it on the screen. FOMO. You're like, what's going on? If you're over the age of 60, FOMO is an acronym. FOMO means... The fear of missing out. You can toss that up there too. The fear of missing out. It's kind of this force that sometimes drive our, drives our youth to do things. This, this, this fear that, oh, I, I want to be with my friends and make sure I'm having all the fun. You know, it's this, this fear that makes them go, yeah, I really want to go to McDonald's after youth on Friday night. Even though, what did you do? You went to McDonald's and got some fries and that's great. And then you went home, right? Would you really have been missing out? But people, they... They just want to go out of that fear. Something cool is going to happen, right? But if we're honest, I think all of us have FOMO from time to time, don't we? We want to experience the best things, the fun, the excitement, the action, and feel like we're part of something, right? So what on earth does FOMO have to do with this passage? Let's go back and read it again. I'm going to explain it. All right, let's go to the passage. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Did you catch that part? that it's for your good, it's actually what's best for us that Jesus goes away. And you're like, why? Keep reading. Jesus says, unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying it's to your advantage that I go away. Sure, yeah, I've been with you guys in person for the last three and a half years, but this is going to be even better, Jesus says. And of course, of course the disciples are probably like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? Like, we kind of prefer you actually being here with us, someone who we can eat and laugh and talk with and who can tell us these really confusing parables. We want you here with us, Jesus. How could it be better for you to leave us and simply give us a spirit we can't physically see. And I think a lot of us, we treat the Holy Spirit in kind of that same way today, don't we? That if we had the opportunity to be present physically with Jesus, you know, have buddy Jesus right next to us, take a selfie, we would want to have Jesus with us, right? As compared to a force that we can't even see or kind of 
know in the same way. And yet, Jesus says that him leaving and him sending the Holy Spirit is for our good. It's actually better. It's, it's something we're not going to want to miss out on. Ah, that's where the FOMO thing kicks in. Okay, I can't help but think of what Jesus says in one of his teachings earlier described by John in John 10.10. Let's put it up. This is one of these uh, passages I love to remind our youth of all the time, as well as myself. Why did Jesus come? Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Yet I have come that they may have life to the fullest. My watch keeps dinging on me here. I'm going to mute that. There we go. Life to the fullest. So if we go to the next slide, Jesus is saying part of having life to the fullest is to live as he does. And if he's saying the spirit coming and leading us into this life, that's what's good for us, then being led by the spirit is living life to the fullest. Isn't that something we all desire? That's what I don't want you to miss out on, both as individuals and as a church that being led by the Spirit is life to the fullest. So then how do we experience this life to the fullest? What does that look like? How does it work? Let's keep reading. Jesus says, when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people don't believe in me. About righteousness, because he's going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now notice at verse 8, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world about its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. Basically, friends, it's not our job to convict the world of its sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It says it right there. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But how does the Holy Spirit do that? Guess what? By convincing you. By working in us, in our hearts first, convincing us of our sin and the evil that is within us, that our world is off course from God's original design. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of that sin where the point, where to the point where God's righteousness comes and it opens up our eyes and our lives to who God is, to that judgment, to what is right, to what is wrong. Why? Not so that we can go and yell at the world about its sin but so that we could be transformed. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. It transforms our lives and makes us new, made to be more like Jesus. And isn't that such good news? That no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, that you are loved, that you are welcome, that you are um, accepted and invited to experience the free gift of God's grace, knowing he will forgive you. But you've got to allow the Holy Spirit in and let him lead you. So let me ask you, how are you you doing with that? How has he convicted you of your sin? Don't answer that out loud. This doesn't have to be a weird, awkward confession time, okay? But where are you at with your sin? Has he convicted you? Or have you just kind of learned to live with your sin? Kind of just tucking it out of sight? Have you learned to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes we get comfortable in our sin, don't we? I've been there before. I would actually say I'm an expert in ignoring the Spirit's conviction sometimes. But this is why we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because when we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and convince us of God's love, we're led to transformation. 
That's when our lives can change. We change our ways and we can leave sin behind. And when we do this, we set an example for others around us to follow. I think about the early church and the way the early church functioned in the culture that it was in, right? It wasn't its similarities to the culture around it that made it compelling to people. No, it was the differences that made it irresistible. That's why it grew. Think about the Roman culture at the time. In a culture where women and children were just castaways, less than, the church welcomed them in with open arms. I think in a culture where violence and war were commonplace, the church chose the way of peace and of enemy love. In a culture where men and where Caesar dominated, the early church called everybody to submit their lives to the authority of Jesus. The church said, Jesus is Lord, and submitted their lives to the authority of Jesus. In our world that is deeply hurting and anxious and depressed, and that that can trickle its way in here too, demonstrating how the Spirit convicts us of our sin and releasing that to him, releasing that control to him, That takes the focus off of us and onto God, who rightly deserves it, right? Takes it off of us and onto God. Releasing control to another, that is key. Giving up the control of our lives to God, this is what gives us life. So, to boil all that down, here's kind of the main idea of that first bit. Let's toss it up. There is transformation and goodness when our lives are led by the Spirit and not by us. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on the Spirit's conviction. Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit can change your life? That he can convict you of your sin, not guilt you, but get you so excited about new life that you actually want to leave it behind. You actually want to leave the sin behind. It's not going to control you anymore. There is better life ahead without the stain of sin. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can do that for you? I hope you do because he can. Okay, let's keep going. How else does the leading of the Spirit bring us life to the fullest? Let's keep reading. Jesus says at verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't be speaking on his own. He will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit, he says, will glorify me because it is from me what he will receive and then make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Jesus is talking about the Trinity here. This is amazing. That is why he says, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, personally, I think this is where things get really exciting. So get get excited, okay? You're not going to want to miss out on this part. That's the FOMO bit. Look at verse 13 again. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. He won't be speaking on his own. He will be speaking what he hears, which is what the Father reveals to Jesus. First off, this isn't saying that we're all going to be some weird fortune teller at a sketchy booth at the Pinery Market, okay? This has to do with the primary desire and hope and purpose of God's great big plan that we see enacted through all of Scripture, okay? What he guides us into, that truth that he guides us into, this has to do with the very mission of God. This is cool. That in, in heaven and on earth, every knee would bow at the foot of Jesus in worship of him. That's God's mission. That's what he wants to see happen in this world. This is an invitation. This is an invitation from Jesus to let the Holy Spirit come into your life so you can join God in his great mission here in this earth. 
So one, we see that the Spirit convicts us of our sin, transforms our life. Two, we see that we are invited into something. Paul talks about exactly this in his letters to the Ephesian church. Let's put it up. He says, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. And here it is, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. That is God's mission in this world. That's what you get to be invited into. Did you know that? Did you know that that's what the Holy Spirit does in us? Look again at verse 13. He says, you can go back one slide actually. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's a piece that I just go, oh, aren't we so desperate for truth in this world right now? For our own lives and for the world, right? In a world of of advancing technology with AI and and half-truths and polarization, we're we're just kind of lost, right? In a world where, where truth has become kind of fluid and relative and there's alternate truths, I'm, I'm just so comforted by Jesus' words in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when the Spirit, with the Spirit, we are guided into that same truth, that mission of God that he brings to this world. We're guided into everything that Jesus is and is for. Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. And he demonstrates that by dying in our place on the cross. Why? To fulfill the mission of God. To bring a bunch of broken, undeserving sinners like you and like me into real eternal life through Jesus' love. And when he says in verse 14 that it's from Jesus, what the Spirit will make known to us, he's talking about the very purpose of God's presence here on earth in Jesus and in you and in me. I get a little excited about this. I hope you do too. So to explain that all in a simpler way, being led by the Spirit is an invitation. Being led by the Spirit is an invitation to partner with God. It's an invitation to partner with God in his mission to bring all people to himself. This is what the Spirit equips us for. It's why we have spiritual gifts. It's why Jesus needed to send him. And trust me, it's not something you're going to want to miss out on. Because this is where the fun begins. This is where the life to the fullest really comes together. So what does that look like practically? So what? Like, what does that mean for us? What difference does it make in our lives today when you walk out that door to go to the barbecue later on? What does that do? Because if we believe that A... The Spirit convicts us of our sin and leads us to life change, and that B, he's inviting us to participate in God's mission to bring the whole world to Jesus. My friends, it means you have a purpose. It means you have a purpose in this life right now. Did you know that? That in any stage of life, God has something for you. Even if you are lying there on your deathbed, you still have value and meaning to the Lord, and you still have a purpose because you can keep praying. You can keep demonstrating what Jesus has done for you. You've got a purpose. So how do we, how do we make that happen? How do we let the Spirit reveal that purpose to us and, and guide us into things? Well, there's two things, okay? First off, you've got to know the Spirit. Like I said, he's a person. He's someone we can get to know. He's not this like weird, misty, smoke-like substance that flies through in the movie The Prince of Egypt. No, he is a person, just like Jesus, just like the Father, someone who we can know. And so we've got to be in relationship with that person. That happens through prayer, through quiet time before God and with him, in worship, in silence, in solitude, through the disciplines, right? The things that 
you know, as a Christ follower, we should just be a no-brainer. We do these things to get to know God, right? You got to dust off that dusty old Bible off your shelf. You got to pick it up. You got to read it. And then you got to know it. You got to live it. Just like we get, you know, we get to know someone by spending time with them, it's the same with the Spirit. Okay, we, we meditate on his word. We read it, we know it, we live it, repeat. And we get to do this together in community. You can look around at the people around you. This is your family that you get to do this together with. That is wonderful. And as we get to know the Spirit, we get to know those little promptings, those little kind of moments where you, you sense something in your mind or in your heart, those little voices here and there that's leading you throughout the day. Are you praying for that? Are you praying for those moments each day? Would you, would you ask the Spirit to reveal to you, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to further the kingdom of God here in this world? Spirit, is there any, any sin within me that you want to convict me of and just have cast out of my life? What changes do I need to make to my life? Who should I pray for? Who do I need to invite to dinner? Who do I need to get a, a conversation going with about their faith? Who do I need to love? Do you pray those things each day? Because you've got to know the Spirit. Okay, second thing. So we've got to obey the Spirit. This part is really fun. And although it's a little scary, it can take some courage, this is the part I don't want you to miss out on. This is the action. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where I don't want you to have any FOMO, okay? To explain that, I've got a little story. Um, in Waterloo, at the church I work at, my office window faces our rear parking lot, which kind of runs as a little pedestrian highway in between kind of one of our main intersections and our neighborhood. And there's a school back there. And so there's, there's people constantly walking by my window, going back and forth. And so um, I've kind of just been in this habit of praying for the people who walk by my window. It can be really short and sweet, um, but I just pray. And um, one day I, I noticed this really sweet, beautiful little family with, uh, you know, two young boys and a dog walking by. And, uh, and so I started praying for them. And then I started to notice that they did this almost on a regular basis, sometimes twice a day. And I realized, oh, they're probably taking their kid to school. And so I went, Lord, what do you want me to do? I heard him say, keep praying. I said, okay, I'm going to keep praying for this family, sometimes twice a day. And, uh, and as I did this for quite a while, like a whole year, when my son Bo started school, started JK this past fall, who is in his class for that little boy and his family that I had been praying for for like a year at this point. Okay, I'm like, no way, God, that is so cool. All right. Let me know what you need me to do, Lord. Uh, like, do you need me to, to continue to pray for them? Do you need me to go and start this awkward conversation? Like, hey, have you found Jesus? Like, let me know what you want me to do, okay? And I just hear the Lord say, no, just keep praying. Okay, I'm going to keep praying. Christmas Eve last year, I'm there in our foyer at our church, and who do I see in the church but that little boy from Bo's class and his mom. And I'm like, what? No way. God, you are so good. How on earth have you made this happen? This is incredible. And I go, okay, I got to go and introduce myself now. And so I do. And we build a little bit of a relationship. We start to get to know each other as we're walking to school with our kids together each day. And my friends, they've been at our church almost every single week since Christmas. Isn't that cool? How good. They, I asked them if I could share this story, and they were like, oh yeah, let's go, because that is so cool. Here's the point. When we obey the Spirit's lead, we get to participate in something that God is already doing. 
right? And our prayers, they, they do work. They make a difference, my friends. But we get to join in with God in something he's already enacting here in this world. If I'd ignored those promptings from the Holy Spirit, I'm the one who's missing out. I'm the one who's, who's, who's missing out on this incredible opportunity and this excitement, this life to the fullest that Jesus promised us. Yes, it could take some courage and some bravery. Sometimes the Spirit asks us to do something more than just pray. You ever see that movie, um, We Bought a Zoo? It was like an old one with Matt Damon and Scarlett Johansson, and, and there was, it was kind of cheesy, but it was a feel-good movie. But it, there was a line in it that said, just takes, it just takes 30 seconds of insane courage. I love that. I think about this in that moment. Right? Like, we get to join in with God, and it's worth it every time. It's anything but boring. It is life to the fullest. So how are you doing with that? How are you doing with both knowing the Spirit and then obeying His voice when you hear it? Just think about the implications as well of ignoring the Spirit's promptings. Think about what our churches might look like if we were all just kind of not listening to the Spirit. We could sit here in the same old, same old, keep the status quo. You're going to come on a Sunday morning. You're going to get to see people you enjoy, maybe listen to some good music and sing along. But what does it do? What does that do? The point is, is when we obey the Spirit's leading, we get to participate in something God is already doing. And if you're freaked out by that, don't worry. Totally valid. But be reminded about what Jesus says to his disciples in Acts 1. Let's put it up. Jesus says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then all of those disciples went out, not on their own strength, but by the Lord's strength. And every one of them except one went to their death, proclaiming Jesus is Lord. You, you can't do that on your own strength. You can't do that as a human. That is something only the Spirit can equip us for. And hopefully that's not what happens to you, but I hope that you get to join in with God in something truly exciting. So, once again, I want to ask you, do you know the Spirit? Do you know the Spirit and are you obeying Him? Has He been prompting you about a sin in your life that maybe you need to confess to someone or pray over someone you know? to invite them into a relationship with Jesus? Are you in prayer throughout the day, inviting God to use you in his mission to bring people to him under his authority and rule? What gifts do you have that maybe you're holding back and you, to use, that you could use to serve God, this church, and this community? What spiritual gifts might you have that maybe you haven't even discovered yet? That's a fun one to do with our youth. And then they're like, wait, I have spiritual gifts. I'm like, oh yeah, you do. And watching them realize that is mind-blowing. Are you giving up your life to allow the Spirit to take control? Because when you do, you get to experience the work of God in you. It is life to the fullest. Don't miss out. Okay, so to, to recap and to kind of finish things off, here's a summary, okay? Put it up. Being led by the Spirit is for our good. It's what's best for us. It is living life to the fullest. And being led by the Spirit does two things. For one, it convicts us of our sin and transforms us. And secondly, it invites us to participate in God's mission to bring everyone to his throne. That is exciting. It's something I don't want you to miss out on, church. Remember? FOMO, right? 
And if you need some extra help remembering that, I came up with a really dumb and cheesy line to help that sink in, okay? You ready for this? Say no to Holy Spirit FOMO. <laughs> I, I, I typed it and I literally rolled my eyes when I did that. And, but you know what? We're just going to go for it. So once again, I want you to turn to the person next to you, put your hand on their shoulder and say, bro, say no to Holy Spirit FOMO. Go. And my wife's rolling her eyes once again. All right, let me end off with a little analogy. A Jesus follower, like you and me, we need the leading and the filling of the Holy Spirit, kind of like a car needs both a gas pedal and a steering wheel. A Christian without the leading of a spirit could be like a car without a steering wheel. Yeah, you could go, potentially even fast, but maybe in a dangerous direction. A friend of mine actually once had their gas pedal stuck down while driving on a country road. Also, similar way, dangerous. I hope we would have some fear within us about picturing what it would be like to drive really fast without a steering wheel. That, that same fear would help us to surrender our lives to the Spirit's direction. We can't do it alone. And in a similar way, the, a Christian without the filling of the Spirit is like a car without a gas pedal. Sure, maybe you know where to go, but you just can't get there. We need the Spirit to empower us to go where he wants us to go on his strength, not on our own. We're the vessel, but he's the fuel. We need the leading of the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us and leads us into the truth of Jesus. Can you imagine if every one of us in this church and in our sister churches truly lived like this? That we would be the church together. I wonder where the Spirit is going to lead this church right here. Because I sense his presence. I know he wants to do something here, guys. I wonder what he's going to do. Are you open to what God wants to do here in this church? And it might look different. You've got a new lead pastor coming in. He may want to do things. The Spirit may want to do things. It may be sacred things sometimes. Our church has been there. But if it's truly the Spirit's leading... Trust me, it's worth it. It's going to be worth it for what he might do. Can you imagine the people around us in this community coming to know the love of God, being transformed by the Spirit, being set free from their sin, where our world around us, this town, this area, starts to look different? Can you imagine schools without bullying or violence? Can you imagine university campuses without sexual assault? Can you imagine roads without intoxicated drivers? Can you imagine a town not needing a cannabis store on every block because people don't feel like they need to escape this life anymore? Can you imagine a world where poverty has been wiped out, where a city or a town where new arrivals to Canada are welcomed right in and made to feel like equals in the homes of our locals? I can. Jesus called it the kingdom of God. And the Spirit invites you and me to bring it right here, right now. So, what are you waiting for? Don't miss out. No FOMO. You're going to want to be a part of this. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Lead us where our trust in you doesn't have any barriers or borders. where you empower us and we know it is on your strength that you 
bring the kingdom of God here to this world. Amen. Can we, let's continue to pray. In fact, if you'd be willing, would you actually put your hands out just as, as something symbolic of receiving of the Spirit this morning? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite you in. God, we need you. We're lost without you. We're nothing without you. There's nothing special about us, and yet you, Lord, have loved us. You, the God of the heavens, the earth, the universe, who is so great and grand, so much bigger than we are, yet you see us. You know what we're going through right now. You know what's going on in our lives. You actually like us too. You like our traits, our personalities, and and you want us to have that life to the fullest. So Lord, we just want to come before you in a posture of receiving, of humility, of saying, yes, God, we, we want to surrender our control over to you. Would you come and fill us, Holy Spirit? Would you fill this church so that you may do incredible things in this community, in this people, that you would lead them into the next chapter, Lord? We trust in you and we know you are inviting us into something good. We don't want to miss it, Lord. Would you convict us? Would you lead us? In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen.